can we say again, every organ's different? In case we haven't said that yet, every organ's different. Every organ is different. So. Oh my word! Yes, Anyways. yes, yes, yes. And they're different on different days. And how cold is it? Reach it, and sister! How dry oh my is word! It? Yes. And... Yes. <laughs> is it raining? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my! Is the sun shining? That's Katie Moyer and me, your host Sarah Bariza, discussing the joys and trials of working as a substitute organist. Katie and I have both subbed a lot, and in this episode of Music in the Church, we're sharing our strategies for subbing both for the person subbing and the person who's hiring them. But before we dive into the episode, I want to invite you to check out this week's show notes. The show notes are at musicinthechurch.com slash 14. Katie Crawford and I cover a lot of ground in this episode, so I've made more extensive show notes than usual. You can find lists of all the strategies we use, as well as a checklist of things to verify when you're subbing or hiring someone to sub for you. Also, the show notes have a link to a survey I released this week. It's about job applications for church musicians. If you're a church musician or you've been part of the committee to hire one, please take the survey. It takes between five and 10 minutes, and I'll be sharing the data from the survey later in the spring so that we can all learn from each other's experiences and be better job applicants. The show notes are at musicinthechurch.com 14. Hi, I'm Sarah Bariza, a researcher and church musician living in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm Crawford Wiley, an organist just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Today, we're talking about all things related to subbing as an organist. Which is a really important topic because all of us have to have substitutes from time to time or want to substitute ourselves. We're bringing to this a wealth of experience, especially from me and from our friend Katie Moyer. Katie is an organist living in Greenville, South Carolina, and since she finished her undergraduate degree in church music, she has worked primarily as a substitute organist. Katie is also a music education specialist at a music store in Greenville, and she's part of an organ harp duo called Voix Celeste, and she sings alto in the South Carolina Bach Choir. Katie is passionate about making the organ and its music accessible to the average untrained or even skeptical listener, and Katie does seasonal concerts, like a Thanksgiving concert, where she brings a variety of music, lighter hymn arrangements, and more um, heavier, serious music together to help accomplish this goal that she has with her music making. One of the joys of having Katie here today is that Katie and I have actually known each other since we were in elementary school. My family moved to Georgia when I was in fourth grade and um, Katie was in third grade at the time. So we've known each other since we were very, very young, way before we even thought about taking organ lessons of all things. I started taking organ lessons when my piano teacher, Margaret Watson, said, oh, Sarah, you would be good at this. Here's a good teacher. You should start doing this. And I didn't really have a particular pull. I should play the organ, but I started and I really enjoyed it. And then that following summer, that's when I um, first went to organ camp. And then Katie was a couple years younger than me and she started organ later than I did. Um, But we both studied with the same teacher, Gerald Carper of Macon, Georgia. Thank God for organ teachers like him, you know, getting us getting us on the way of being professional musicians. But then all three of us met at organ camp at Bob Jones University when we were like totally like nerdy little high school kids going off to organ camp. Very nerdy. Very, very nerdy. Oh my word. We were so adorable. This is that's actually where you and I met Crawford was at organ camp. So we've known each other since we were uh, very yeah, nerdy is a really nice way of saying it. <laughs> Plus ça change. Yeah, yeah, right. So for um, having Katie here today is such a fun conversation to have since we've been, you know, chit-chatting about stuff since we were like nine. I think it's really interesting that Katie and I have both subbed so much. 
Once we head to the interview with Katie, you'll hear how and why she subs as an organist. And so I want to say a little bit about why I have subbed so much, because Katie and I have different approaches and reasons for why we've both subbed a lot. Um, fortunately, neither of the reasons are so terrible that you can't hold down a regular job. Um, but so I've subbed a lot because I've been following my husband's career basically for the last several years. So you move to a new city, don't necessarily have a job right away, and then you end up subbing. Or prior to moving with my husband, I was in a long distance relationship with him. So for about three years, I wanted to have the flexibility to go to Ohio where he was living for while he was in medical school and I was living in North Carolina and I wanted to be able to go see him in the summer or whatever. So I'd sub in North Carolina, I'd sub up in Ohio and I was also doing ethnographic work while pursuing my doctoral studies at Duke University. So some Sundays I'd be at a very conservative Baptist church sitting in the pew taking copious notes. Some Sundays I'd be at the very liberal Baptist church playing the organ and some Sundays I'd be up in... Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, either um, at my own Orthodox church or at a local church subbing here in Cincinnati. So different reasons for subbing, but um, bringing really quite a wealth of experience to the topic. Of course, you, Crawford, have actually hired subs many times. I've only hired subs a few times. It's true. I've not actually done all that much subbing myself. Well, but, but you wouldn't have. No, no. I've held the same post for three and a half years now. So most of my experience on the topic is figuring out what it means to be a good host to a substitute. Because there are yeah. so many things you can do to make your sub's life significantly easier and less less frightening. <laughs> and it's really wonderful if you if you have a kind of a long-term relationship with a with a substitute who oh, knows yes. what what you do at your particular church. Yes. I remember my very first very first time I was subbing for a friend in North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And he presented me with a binder full of the hymns. I'd been subbing for years since my senior year in high school. And it was the first time someone did that for me that I recall. And I was like, oh, this is how it should always be. Yeah, it takes a lot of the worry out of it. <laughs> oh, it does. Because like I had, you know, you sub at a Lutheran church and you're like, I'm going to move from this book to that book. And of course, me as a growing up as a Baptist kid and the whole what, what? I have to move from this book to that book? And what? You don't announce the hymns? Oh, what? Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm like 16 years old and, you know, my mind is being blown by the fact that <laughs> different churches do things differently, you know? So having someone give me here's the hymns, here's the thing, here's the actual doxology that we sing. There you go, in a binder. Priceless. Yeah, Katie sings the praises of binders, and I would as well. Some of my substitutes have copies of the hymnals, so I don't necessarily oh, that's have to yeah. give them the yeah. music ahead of time. I can just say it's number yeah. thus and, and such. And that's, that's a little different. But yeah. when they yeah. when they show up, I do have all of the music photocopied right in order in this binder that I'll have sitting on mm -hmm. the organ. That's what I do for myself. You know, every Sunday I have photocopies of the music in this binder so that all you have to do is turn the pages. You know, it eliminates mm -hmm. a lot of the distress that can come from suddenly realizing that, you know, oh, I wait, I took this book out of the choir loft to make a photocopy of it earlier in the week. Mm -hmm. And now it's not here. Mm -hmm. And we're getting ready to sing this in two minutes. Minutes, you know. Oh man, on Sunday, I literally had to run out to my car in my little kata, little robe, and get my music for my prelude. <laughs> oh, it happens to all of us, doesn't it? <laughs> yep, yep. I had taken it home mistakenly, and it was sitting on the car seat. I'm like, there is eight minutes till the service. I'm going to go get my music. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it was like 30 seconds before Mass started the other weekend. And I didn't have a photocopy of the opening hymn because I had it printed in four parts in the order of worship. And mm. I had my order of worship sitting on the organ console. And apparently 
while my back was turned, I think one of my choir members saw it sitting there and thought, oh, an extra order of worship, and just <gasps> took oh, it. Oh, no. And Don't so touch anything on the organ console. Yeah, and I turn around, and I was like, oh, no, what am I going to do? All of which is to say that even when you think, oh, there's a really good reason that I don't particularly need to make photocopies and put them in a binder this week, actually, you probably should, because anything mm-hmm. that can disappear mm-hmm. two minutes before Mass will disappear two minutes yeah. before Mass. Yeah. So before we move on to the interview with Katie, we're going to talk about some of Crawford's experiences with being a host musician for a substitute. We're going to talk about one of Katie's ideas that she texted me about after the interview, which is to have an office to go bag. And then we'll talk about my process when I sub, because Katie and I actually have very different processes and, and priorities when we sub. So I think it's important for us to be like, you know, there's multiple really strong ways of doing this. But the first thing we do have to, we have to start out with the the very first most important thing, which is that if you're subbing at a church, you have to show up. It's kind of a non-negotiable, really. <laughs> and it might sound like a really silly thing, but when I was expecting my baby, I rolled over one Monday morning and my water broke. And my first thought was, oh, my water broke. And my second thought was, hooray, it's Monday. They'll have such an easy time getting a sub. No problem. We'll have (laughs) someone on Sunday. This is such a fantastic church musician has a baby (sighs) moment. I know, right? At least it wasn't Christmas Eve. There was a prior minister at that church whose water broke during the Christmas Eve service. Oh, um, golly. Which I'm sure was exciting. (laughs) But you can all probably tell where this story is going. Yes, they lined up a sub. And of course, it's Music Appreciation Sunday. All the music is playing. Because of course. And um, because of course, of course it was Music Appreciation Sunday when the organist choir director was, uh, you know, had a six-day-old baby. And um, yeah, no sub showed up. In the first service, there was a percussionist who uh, played the melody on the piano for the hymns. Second service, um, a pianist, you know, had to sight read some hymns. And um, yeah. So first things first, show up to the services that you commit to. There endeth the lesson. (laughs) Okay, so let's turn things over to you, Crawford. What are some things that you do when you've subbed or when you are hiring a sub? Yeah, so one of the first things is to check the organ pipes. I know this sounds really silly, like maybe automatically, but something that can catch you totally off guard is if, say, you know, you're playing for a really quiet communion meditation and, like, you've got the clarinet drawn on the choir division or whatever, and all of a sudden you hear the most ungodly sound emanating from the choir division because you didn't check to make sure there weren't any out-of-tune notes. Sounds like this has happened to you before. (laughs) This has happened to me before. So, I mean, I do this before I play every Sunday at church. You know, I usually do it on a Saturday night. And I strongly recommend that anyone who's substituting do that as well because you just never know. Some pipes go... some ranks of pipes tend to go more out of tune on a certain instrument. Yeah, so I would recommend it doesn't take more than three minutes, especially it's usually Mm -hmm. the reeds. Just, you know, play a scale from Mm -hmm. the bottom all the way up to the top Mm -hmm. on each of the reed stops. And then if you know that there are any stopped flutes, those also tend to go out of tune pretty quickly. So just check those, and that can save you a moment of panic. It's also something just worthwhile for the hosting musician or the substitute to say, oh, hey, anything tricky about this instrument? Anything I should know? Yes. And you can also tell, you know, you can tell someone, oh, the, you know, E above middle C on the swell division is sticking. 
you know, that's that's the kind of thing that you that's want. That's really to, relevant information. Yeah, you want the person who's subbing for you to know this because they can mm -hmm. avoid the same pitfalls that you yourself are probably, you know, avoiding from week to week. A uh, mm -hmm. second thing to watch out for, and which you honestly might not think of until the service starts, is your sight lines. Um, mm -hmm. It can be really, really scary to sit at the organ console and suddenly realize that you can't, in fact, see the pastor. You know, and yeah. it's something that when you're practicing, you're not looking Especially for. if you can't really see the altar very well. Yeah, so check your sight lines. Make mm. sure that you know how you're going to be able to tell where the pastor is at a certain point in the liturgy. And also, if you're substituting as an organist for whom there's a choir director, you might want to check and make sure that you'll be able to see the choir director giving you your yeah. cues. Because, yeah. again, yeah. if you can't see the downbeat, how are you going to come in? And that's something that if you're practicing by yourself, you genuinely might not even think about until it's Sunday morning and suddenly it's too late. So if you if you think about it ahead of time, you can say, oh, is the, is the console mobile? You know, can I move the console yeah. around? You know, this actually happened to me just this Sunday where the console had been moved back by about a foot. And I didn't realize that until I was looking to see if I could see, you know, are the acolytes there and everything. Oh, yeah. Console, you know, sometime between Friday and Sunday got pushed back about a foot. Of course, I wasn't going to hop off the organ and, you know, very carefully move everything, you know, as the service was beginning. But it was that moment of, you know, disconcerted, well, I sure hope someone remembers to flip on the light so I know when to start <laughs> the yep. opening because yep. I can't see anything. Yeah, so that's a really important thing to check. I think another mm -hmm. thing that you as a host organist can do, and then if you're a substitute, you can ask the host organist to do, is to provide you with a written out, either, you know, in words, or perhaps even a written out musical example of exactly how they give the introductions for, if you're playing in a Catholic or an Episcopal church, for the mass parts. Because this, yes. can, this can vary mm -hmm. a lot in different churches. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you play an introduction to a hymn slightly differently, the congregation will probably follow you. Yeah, because it's not like they sing that same hymn every single week. Right. Whereas so much for mass parts is just an audible cue. And if you play mm -hmm. that even slightly differently than the organist does week after week mm -hmm. after week, it can really throw everybody. So you might want to ask oh, exactly does. what is it that you play? You know, what notes do you play at the beginning of these? I've done introductions before that people thought were the beginning of the song and then you just have to go with it because they were used to no introduction so I start playing they start singing yeah so you want to find yeah. out what what yeah. is the congregation used to orally that's a really important thing mm -hmm. one thing that Katie mentioned after our interview was that she has basically an office to go and it's a little bag that she keeps inside of her music bag and it contains things like scissors paper clips post-its a hole punch pencils and you know, many of these things are things that you can find in a church office, but sometimes the church office is locked and you're like, actually, I would really like to get my binder ready and I need a, need a hole punch or what have you. And so Katie just keeps that all together in her bag, ready to go. One less thing that she has to stress about. And I am I'm going to adopt that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea because you never really know for certain what's going to be in the organ loft where you're substituting. Yeah, I mean, I occasionally actually quite frequently have to replace my pencil on the organ console because, um, you know, the other people using the sanctuary see the pencil and take it. I've been there since December. It's March <laughs> and I've replaced it, I think, four times. <laughs> so. It's like a Nancy Drew mystery. The case of the missing pencil. So, Sarah, you mentioned before, you have a slightly different process than Katie does. Oh, very, very. And I think that it really comes from a difference in why Katie and I have subbed and the time that we're putting into it. So... 
Katie subs as someone who like like her main way of making music and this is you know a huge source of enjoyment so she wants to put the time into this she wants to be able to practice she wants to play new repertoire if she's giving a concert she you know she'll pull that in for a postlet or whatever. Whereas quite a bit of the time that I've subbed, my goal has actually been to streamline the process and to make it as simple and time efficient for me as possible. Especially if you get it kind of on last minute notice, you know. Oh, which has happened to me multiple times before. Yeah, you get a reputation as a good sub and people will call you with two days notice. And like, this isn't a leisurely time to say, oh, I'm gonna play on this really fun instrument. This will be really great. This is like, you need to get in and get out because you have other things yes. going on. So a lot of the times that I've subbed, I've either been a full-time graduate student or a full-time graduate student and the mother of a newborn. So for me, time was really a luxury and I didn't want to have to go to a church multiple times to check out the organ, especially when it was like a 50 minute drive or something like that. I'm not gonna go and have this wonderful leisurely time. And if you can do that, I mean, wonderful. Yeah, and precisely, if you don't need that to be a part of your process, then you can cut it out. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't want it to sound like, oh, efficiency is the most important thing here because actually like it's really wonderful to go and check out some great instrument and just enjoy yourself and here's your practice practice time. But for me, oftentimes my goal was to have, be able to show up on a Sunday morning, 45 minutes before the service, register everything in 30 minutes and be able to, to go. Which is a really fantastic skill. What I did is kind of develop a process for myself where I would talk to the hosting musician ahead of time. And I would ask things like, what memory level or stops can I change? And I would also ask what pistons their typical hymn accompaniment registrations were set on. Because oftentimes if you're hired by someone who's really competent, you can just use what they use and you know that's not always the case I've also been hired by people who are really the youth leader and you know also play the organ so I would want to change different things but oftentimes I just want to use what the hosting musician uses so I'd ask that I would ask about anything tricky about the instrument you know are there anything that stick is there a weird way to set up the registrations? And I would also ask how to get into the building. Because if you're showing up, you know, an hour before the service starts, the doors aren't necessarily unlocked, especially if like it's the early yeah, service. This is true. You know, the service is at 8.15 and you're showing up at 7.15. You need to be able to get in or be able to call someone yes. to get in. That was the thing that I would ask at all churches. And then depending on the denomination or specific service, I would ask things like, are the hymns announced? Because in some traditions it's announced, some it's not. And if we sang the doxology, I would always ask, what's the rhythm? And do you sing an amen? Because one time I was at a church where they didn't sing the amen. <laughs> and then I would ask about prayers or other elements that aren't in the order of service. And you might think, well, if you're at a Lutheran or Episcopal church, of course, they're not going to go off plan. But um, I'm here to testify that, yes, even Episcopalians and Lutherans and Catholics do occasionally go off plan. So you need to know if the minister might move the announcements or decide on a different hymn or what have you in the middle of the service, because that does happen in a wide variety of denominations. And then the big thing that for me made subbing really time efficient was picking pieces that had only minimal or no piston changes for my preludes and postludes. So I had very easy to register music that I knew very well. So when I showed up at a new instrument, I could say, okay, I need, you know, the strings and a solo stop prelude. I need plenum and then plenum a little bit louder, two pistons, there we go. And now I can look at like hymn registrations and an anthem. And I would also choose music, especially for the prelude, where I didn't have to use a piston because some churches, you know, they have six pistons and no memory levels. And I wanted to have those pistons flexible for my postlude and for hymn accompaniments. If you can eliminate the need for a piston, yeah. Yeah, if you can eliminate the need for your prelude because you can sit there, you can pull the stops 
And then you can start. You don't have to be fast for your prelude in a way that you do for, you know, transitioning between the anthem and the doxology. And then finally, on the day of, I would, you know, make sure I knew exactly where I could park and how to get in. And I would go in and I would register my prelude, postlude, anthem. And then I would check the pistons that the organist usually used for their hymn accompaniments and then, you know, change them as needed. And that was basically it. It's a very focused way of subbing. And it's frankly not as much fun as Katie's approach to subbing. It's just a more fun way of subbing. But if time is really of the essence, and sometimes it is, depending on your phase of life or they called you the day beforehand or whatever. Yeah, you want to have the techniques that serve you best. So next up, interview with Katie Moyer. And if you have any thoughts about subbing, things that you have learned as a sub or that you have learned as a hosting musician that you want to share, email us at musicandthechurch at gmail.com or call us at 513-580-4282. So when did you start subbing and why did you start subbing? Well, I started subbing it was like the Sunday one or two right after I graduated from college. And somehow they got my name from Dr. Dunbar, our org teacher uh, in college. And they're like, hey, can you come sub? And I was like, what? Getting paid to play the organ? That would be cool. Yay, getting paid to do your job. Yay. Yeah, right, right. It was very, that was a very strange concept to me. It was the first Sunday I like, I just graduated from college. I had just moved into my new little duplex where I live. And I went like every single day that week and like practiced for like two hours every single morning. And I was like, oh, ready wow. to go. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was way, way overprepared for the service. Yeah. I, was, I mean, better I was, overprepared than underprepared. Well, right. But anyways, so that morning I was planning to be there at like, you know, the crack of dawn and I was going to warm up and I was going to be all ready to go. But in my, you know, little apartment that I was like sleeping on the mattress in the middle of the floor and boxes were everywhere, my alarm did not go off. I woke up and I was like supposed to already have been there. So I threw on my dress. I did not even comb my hair, wash my face, nothing. Perks of having curly hair. Yeah. So I, I get there and the choir was already warming up because somebody else was playing for the choir. So I didn't even have a chance to like warm up at all. And I was sitting there just like freaking out. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And then I it was sort of about halfway through the service, I had a little epiphany moment of, well, you know, you're winging this, but you actually do have a degree in church music and you actually have the tools you need to be able to wing this intelligently. Yeah. And of course the service was fine because I had practiced every yeah. day that yeah. week and had everything, you know, together. So that was the first time I ever subbed. And then it's just sort of, you know, word of mouth since then. People have been like, oh, hey, you've played over so-and-so gave me your name from, you know, this place or the AGO gave me your name. And You sub on a really regular basis. Oh, yeah. It's at this point, it's not unusual for me to have to say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm already playing somewhere else. And I, I still like to be at my own church. So I try to just do like two Sundays a month. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that ends up being like, you know, three weeks in a row because the months are you know, over top of one another. And then if I could clone myself on like holidays, like New Year's Eve last year, Mm -hmm. I had, I think it was like six or seven churches that were like, hey, can you play New Year's Eve? Oh no. Well, that's like classic time for the organist to travel because, you know, you have to be there for Christmas Eve. I mean, I almost always travel to visit my in-laws for New Year's. Mm -hmm. And when I was hired to the job where I am right now, that was part of the, sorry, I already have my plane ticket bought. I won't be there two weeks after you hired me to be there yeah so you must really enjoy subbing like what do you what do you like about that kind of process I enjoy getting to meet different people because there's all these different choir members and choir directors and you just get to meet lots of people and it's super fun it's kind of bad because I've been around in Greenville long enough that I'll be like at the grocery store or at a concert and somebody comes up they're like oh hey Katie how's it going and I'm like you're in a choir somewhere I don't know which one hey 
So sometimes I, I just, I'm like, hey, it's so good to see you. And other times I'm just like, now remind me what church you're at because, you know, and yeah, they know yeah. that I'm all over the place. And they're like, oh, we're at so-and-so, you know. Anyways, the thing I really liked at first, and I still, I mean, I still like it now, but the main thing I liked was just getting to see how different churches do things, because my parents went to the same church the whole time I was growing up. I went to the same church all through college. I mean, it was a different church than when I grew up, but, you know, I'd gone to, like, two churches in my life, and I'd never really been to uh, any other churches, any other denomination of any kind. It was, like, a same church, which was great, and I loved it, and I'm not sad about that, but it was really neat to see, you know, oh, oh, their order of service is bizarrely different radically different yeah yes every church thinks oh well this is like the normal way we do things and it's like no no not not really yes that's not normal nobody else sings amens at the end of every hymn that's weird this is part of like why having a good sub is so important because we're clued into we need to know to ask the questions like how exactly do you sing the doxology and preach it these little tiny things yeah yeah the doxology yeah that you wouldn't think about when i go to my own church and we sing the doxology my pastor one time was like yeah we're gonna sing i think he said either the regular one or the methodist one and i was like but it depends on which Methodist church you go to because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're different. Are you going to hold that note? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The church I played at this Sunday, the organist had given me a copy of the doxology. So I assumed that's the one we're going to sing. Well, I start playing it and we get to the first note that was, it was a whole note in the music. The people sang a half note and went on to the next note. I was like, oh, oh. I guess we're going on. So we just wow. went on and it was fine, you know, but okay. Yeah, like word word to people who are doing the hiring, like you know, give out the give out the accurate music. I feel like it's also um sometimes hymns will have a fermata or not. Yes. And you really have to figure out like oh, what yeah. is the practice at this congregation because mm-hmm. people will plow right ahead if they're not used to a pause. Yep. yep. It's always a good thing to ask. So, you've been at a lot of different churches. Mm-hmm. What's your process when you're at a new or unfamiliar church? What process do you go well, through? Well, I was thinking furiously about that. And I was like, for I'm a super like checklist kind of person and I don't have a checklist. It's really more of like a, a conversation with the whoever calls me and in the course of conversation and setting up when I'm going to practice and all that good stuff is kind of how I figure all the information. So I wrote a happy little list, but I don't always go in order of my little list. First of all, I go and check my calendar because as we were talking earlier, I play all over the place and I try to like, I have in the front of my calendar, like a year at a glance kind of thing. And I try to like, make sure I mark through if there's something I've got like a family event. I'm like, okay, make sure you don't take a a job that Sunday because you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pastor's retirement. I need to be at my own church that day. Or, you know, I'm going down to Georgia Mm -hmm. to see my mom and dad, make sure I got that marked off. And then like I was saying earlier, I also try to only go, you know, two Sundays a month because I don't want to work myself to the bone. Yeah. You also work a full-time job. Right. Right. Which I love, by the yeah. way. It's super fun. Yay for fun jobs. Yeah. Well, it's at a music store and it's super cool. And I'm glad to be back in music working with musicians. It's it's fun. Mm, yeah. First of all, I see if I'm available and I am still really terrible at saying no. Like if I don't have a previous commitment, I'm like, oh, I, I could do it. But I don't really, I don't really, you know, I don't want to. You want to have some Sundays off. Right. Anyway, so there's a sub tip. Don't be afraid to say no. It's okay to be unavailable. Even if you just don't feel yeah. like playing, yeah. it's okay. That's one of the advantages of being a sub and right. not having a continuous job. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then either I figure out what their order of service is. Sometimes I ask, you know, am I playing the prelude? Am I playing the postlude? 
typically that's what I plan first. So I know, like a month ago, I knew I was playing like three or four different churches. So I like pulled my music together and I was like, okay, what do I want to play? I sort of planned my preludes and postludes. And then I thought about them for another second and I was like, mm, this is Lent. I should think about that and maybe not play something so festive. Yeah, or find out does the church even have preludes and postludes? There's a church that I'm playing at a couple times during Lent and they're not doing postludes for Lent. The churches where I'm working, I don't have any postludes in Lent except for an even song that I'm playing. I'm super curious why that is. Well, I know in the Roman Catholic Church, it is a, um, like a church, I forget, well, I'll, I'll have to ask Crawford what the term is, but that the only instrumental music should be supporting the congregational singing. Hmm. So that's taken to mean no preludes and postludes in at least some churches, for instance, the Catholic Church where I work. And yeah. I know at Crawford's church, it's not taken to mean that because... He's, in fact, playing preludes and postludes. <laughs> and then at the Episcopal Church where I'm working, I think their typical practice is to not have preludes and postludes. Yeah. But I think they're like, oh, well, we have this interim, so uh, let's listen to some preludes. Definitely something to find out. Is there actually a prelude or postlude? Correct. And then I like to, like, you know, plan those ahead of time because that's something that I'm bringing from my personal collection of stuff as opposed to, you know, using their hymnal and getting their anthem mm -hmm. and getting their, you know. Yeah. All yep. that good stuff. And then, you know, you need to find out if, you know, am I responsible for directing the choir? Am I playing for the choir? Mm -hmm. Am I playing the offering? Yeah. yeah. You know, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I always like to try to get an order of service. And frequently the organist or the choir director, director of music, whatever, will send me, a, sometimes they'll send me, a, you know, an old bulletin. If it's, you know, if it's somewhere that I've played before. They're like, oh, yeah, you know what's going on. I'm like, actually, I play a mm -hmm. lot of places and I forget. I can't so... remember yours specifically. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I, I don't, maybe, maybe you do this. I started keeping a document yes. on my computer where I would list even like little details, like how to get into the church on a <laughs> Sunday morning. I have a, a little green notebook. Because because I, I'm not going to remember Joe Schmo Presbyterian Church, how to get into their church. And I don't want to have to ask the hiring musician right. repeatedly. So how do I get into your church? Because that's unprofessional <laughs> mm -hmm. like yeah I, I forgot yeah no I have a little green uh, little green notebook I have I just carry in my organ bag with me and I write down what I've mm, played nice. everywhere you know I typically write what prelude and postlude I played so I don't I mean it might have been two years but I still like to not play the same thing at the church every time yeah yeah do you have um specific music that you play at a new church oh yes I do yes I do I have my favorite prelude and postlude that I mean unless it's Christmas and of course then I play something Christmasy well, yeah. or whatever yeah but 95 percent of the time I always play for the prelude I play um my shepherd will supply my need by Ann Davis and then I always play for the postlude, Trumpet Tune by the same lady. It's one I played on my senior recital in high school. And I just... Oh, fun. I like them both. And so it's nice to get to play them again. But I also like when I'm playing somewhere new to play something that's super familiar so that I'm not... Yeah. You know, I, I know how that this piece works on a lot of different organs. And yeah, I don't yeah. have to be thinking so much about, oh, wait, what's the next note? I can be, you know, looking, oh, wait... I should really be done with this prelude because something else is happening or, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're waving at me from the back of the sanctuary. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I, I bet both of those pieces are also easy to register. Yes. Save your pistons for the hymns. Exactly. If, if they're being stingy about their, about their pistons, which happens. What else do you do in your process at a new church? Once I have like the order of service from them, I, this, I did, I didn't do this last Sunday when I played and I was like, this was a horrible idea. And I ended up not playing a hymn when I was supposed to, and the choir's like, psst, psst, it's you, it's you. And I was like, wait, I thought there was a scripture reading. Wait, no. Anyways, I always take everything and I put it in order in a little black notebook. So I have my prelude in my notebook. I have all the hymns in order in my little black notebook. Yeah. 
I have all the responses if there's responses and if you're playing for a Lutheran church there's like 27 million little extra things they sing and I'm do you have the person who hires you send you like PDFs of all these pieces it depends if it's somewhere new sometimes they do there's a couple of the churches that I play at pretty regularly and I'm very good friends with the with mm -hmm. the directors Sometimes they'll like they'll be like I'm gonna just make a little folder for you and I'm like yeah I'll come by and pick it up. You're also subbing in a general geographic area like Correct. I've subbed sometimes where I was driving 50 miles one right. way. Yeah, most of my subbing is is within a half hour of my house. The furthest I've ever done was Clemson, which was about an hour. Yeah, so that's part of my process. Once I like you know have all my stuff in order and sometimes I go there before I know what all the hymns are just because of my schedule and when they give me stuff well sometimes they don't know until right. uh, pretty close to right. the actual service right. so setting up setting up practice time at the place is you know kind of the next thing to have to figure out and my schedule works really well because I don't go to work until you know 11 o'clock so I can go in the mornings that's sort of my oh yeah that is really nice. my designated practice time which is during office hours which Typically, in my experience, works best for people. They're not usually very yeah. generous about letting you in later. But I've never really had to yeah. ask about yeah. it. So yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky for them unless you're there during office right. hours. Right. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, if you need to go practice, you know, they can figure out some way to get you in there. You know, don't. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and that's their job. Like you need to. Right. You need to be able to get in and practice right. ahead of time. That's yeah. And then I mean, like, and then figuring out what time you can get in on Sunday morning. You know, Joe Schmo's there to start the coffee at seven so you can get in at seven or yeah on occasion yeah. they'll give me a key which is always nice i'm like yes i can just get in whenever mm -hmm. i need yeah. that's kind of my process you know go practice and then and then when i when i get there i usually kind of play through my my favorite prelude and postlude you know and just make sure mm -hmm. it sounds okay and that kind of gives me an idea of how the organ sounds and then yeah yeah i usually just set if i if i know what the organist's hymn registrations are. I sometimes, you know, take a look at those. 95% yeah, of the yeah. time, I don't like them. But sometimes if I like them, I'll steal them because I'm like, there's, you know, I might as well just mm -hmm. use, clearly they're here every week and it works. So let me just yeah. borrow them. They know what the congregation sounds right. like. Right. But I usually set, you know, start with just some, I set something that strings because you never know when you got a noodle on something and then flutes and then just, just yeah. a gradual registration up to loud and then set my prelude and post. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. I usually have kind of a general idea of where I want to go with hymns, like, you know, how firm a foundation. Okay, I'm going to start on one of my higher, you know, louder registrations. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't always, you know, play in every verse. Yeah, because you never know how the congregation is going right. to Right, and if there's an 8.30 service, at one church, the 8.30 service was way fuller than the 11 o'clock service. I was like, that never happens. Oh, wow. It was it was the weirdest thing. Yeah, I've, I've never seen that before. Cool. So is there anything else that you do on the morning of to get yourself oriented to what's going on? I like to try to ch check in with if there's like a, you know, introduce myself to the pastor, you know, that kind of thing, whoever's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If it, it's, it depends on whether, you know, there's a choir director or there's an, or, you know, the organist is the choir director because, you know, you can check in with the choir yeah, director. Yeah. I like to, when I'm practicing and then again the morning of, just take the the bulletin or whatever order of worship they have and go through that and go through my notebook. And sometimes oh, I play yeah. through every piece. And but verify it's accurate. Correct. I like to do it even as I'm, if I have a couple of times to practice during the week to go through, okay, this is the order of service. Okay. Then they're going to do the mm -hmm. prayer. Then it's me. Oh, wait. Yep. I got to remember. I got to chime this time. And mm -hmm. 
you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Just go go through the order of service with the music that I have and just make sure I have everything, make sure I have it in the right order. If the organist is the choir director, introduce yourself to the pastor or the minister or whoever, you know, whoever's leading mm-hmm. the, yeah. the service so they know who you are. Also, so that you can say, hey, is there, you know, is there anything weird, you know, I should know about, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll typically be like, oh, yes, don't forget you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. We actually have announcements here, but it's not in the bulletin. Correct. So that's always nice. And it's it's super funny. Uh, one Lutheran church I played at, they were all nervous about their, they had just started a, a new order of service thing that they do, and then they do it for, I don't know, six, six weeks or so. This particular one apparently was very different to, the, to everybody in the congregation, and it was like the first time they'd done it. And it was super funny because they were all like, oh, we're kind of worried about it. And I was like, well, you know, it didn't matter to me. I was like, it's no more weird to me than anything else, you know. Which reminds me, I always try to ask, how do you introduce them? Because some of those don't show whether are you giving, like what the introduction to the piece is. Right. And some churches have a habit of singing, of like you play one pitch. Correct. And then you come in. Mm -hmm. And then other churches are expecting, you know, four bars of introduction. Right. And if you don't ask, you don't know. Well, and and particularly if it's something that they're, I'll, I'll use the Lutherans again, because they sing it for six weeks in a row and the people know what they're, you know, mm-hmm. what they're used to. They and if they don't, if they don't hear mm-hmm. that, they're like, wait, are we supposed to sing? You know, whoa, 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 whoa. and then there's yeah. the, yeah. you know, yeah. after the great Thanksgiving, there's one that frequently they just don't have an intro at all. Yeah. Cause they're, cause the, the, the pitch is in their memory and, but you don't know that if you don't ask. Right. Yeah. Right. So anything weird or funny that's happened to you? Cause I feel like the first time something weird happens, it can kind of throw you off. But after that, it's like, oh, well, I guess some churches don't sing the amen for the doxology or <laughs> what have you. Oh, plenty. Well, one super weird thing, which we sort of already talked about, was the church that sings amens at the, at the end of every single hymn. Did they warn you yeah, ahead yes. of time? Yes, they did. Oh, good. Thankfully. Because that's, yeah, I've never, I've never seen that before. But anyways, I learned there that I had to put a little post-it note at the end of every little hymn that said whatever the chord was supposed to be for the amen, because I knew mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I would not in the moment remember that. Yeah. Remember the doxology can be very confusing, but once you're prepared for it to be weird wherever you go, you can kind of just mm-hmm. embrace it. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of get used to every different congregation, I guess. Oh, yeah. what's terrible yeah. is if the pastor who sings really loud is singing his own tempo and the congregation's singing their own tempo. Oh, and and is singing into a microphone. Um, oh yeah. Oh, that'll throw you off. And then, like for me, I think. Oh no, am I playing a different tempo that's radically different from what the congregation right. is used to? Right. Or more likely, the pastor is not able to internalize the, <laughs> yes. the tempo yes. and is just off doing their own thing. And you know what? They, they, they're paying me to set the tempo. Right. Um, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, if, if the choir director is there. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. Sometimes I'll ask, Hey, was that, you know, was that tempo good? You know, if there's like a more, uh, two services, I can say, was I, you know, was I super weird on that tempo? And he'll be like, no, 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 keep it going. And you're like, well, yep. what you want yep. and what, what actually is going to happen might be two different things. <laughs> so mm-hmm. anyways. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Mm, other weird things. People being stingy about pistons. Yeah, what's with that? I don't I don't really know. There was one church. This is a really funny story, this whole church. This church, I had I had played there before for a different organ the previous organist. And then they had asked me to come back. And I was like, yeah, sure, no big deal, you know, it's fine, whatever. And the organist said you can use piston like two and three if you absolutely have to. And I was like, what do you think I'm going to play where I use two pistons? Not like two mem- <laughs> two pistons. And I was like, well, I mean, 
I can make this work. So I got there and I don't remember if this was the same time or not, but I played there once where a friend of mine, she and I have a harp duo called the La Celeste. We were playing at this church, so we got there to practice. I have never not wanted to touch an organ so much in my life. There, I, I kid you not, I believe there was mold growing on the pedals. It was so <gasps> oh nasty. It was covered oh. in dust, covered in like... <gasps> you know, uh, over under the... Oh, under disgusting. I know. And I was like, I don't want to touch the pedals. I'm glad. I don't mean, I don't want my <laughs> shoes to touch. Anyway, it was, it was, oh, it was so nasty. It was so nasty. And so I get there and I'm like, well, maybe there's just like no memory levels. There was like 50 memory levels. And I was like, well, I'm just going to pop up to level 17 that nothing's on and use this whole memory level that apparently you organists, you don't know about. What? Anyways, it was super. Oh, I was like, how do you, how are you an organist and don't realize that you have different oh. memory oh. Le levels? Oh, and also oh. like uh. dirty, <laughs> dirty instrument. Oh. And, and, oh, I mean, it could have just been layers and layers of dust, but it looked like mold. I was like, um, mm, oh, that's mm. nasty. I just don't even want to play this. Anyways, that same church, when we played on Sunday, uh, the harpist and I, we played the first service, and the one piece we did that was a Bach something, it just did not, it just did not sound right. So between services, I was like, I was all upset about the organ, and I was like, this organ is just terrible, and I was just like, rah, rah, rah. you just whining like crazy. And then, mm -hmm. about 10 minutes in, I was just like, you know what, listen, I am an organist, making things work is what we do. So oh, I, my need, word, yes. I need to stop, <laughs> yes. I, I need to stop whining about the organ, and I need to figure it out. And I think what I ended up having mm -hmm. to do was just play more legato than I had been playing because we'd been playing, you know, in a much wider room and this room was kind of dead. And I just, mm -hmm. I had to play more legato mm -hmm. so it would sound decent. Yeah. Any tips or tricks or practices that could help people who are new to subbing or help someone who's hiring someone to sub? Ciphers can really throw you off if you've never had a cipher. Or a note that sticks. <gasps> yes. Oh. I've been I've been dealing with a with an A that sticks the A oh, above middle C on the grate and that'll really throw you off uh -huh. you know you do your best but uh -huh. one of the people that I work with was like oh I just I just thought you were such a risk taker playing those ninths and elevenths and I was like yeah that was a sticking note. <laughs> <laughs> A risk I may taker. be a risk taker, but I'm not that kind of risk taker. Yeah, I'm taking a risk and playing the organ when it's messing up. Yes, yes, I am. Yeah, basically. Mm, I, the, the funniest time I was worried about a cypher was, it was the church I play at all the time. And I forget when it started, just in the morning service, it just randomly started doing it. And so you're, you're frankly trying mm -hmm. to figure out which thing to turn off. And then mm -hmm. for the offertory, mm -hmm. I was playing an arrangement of It Is Well With My Soul by Carolyn Hamlin. Mm -hmm. Ugh, love it. But anyways. Mm -hmm. And I started playing it and I was like, my soul is not well right now because, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't able, I hadn't, I hadn't figured out. You couldn't figure out where it was. Right. Yeah. So I, and I couldn't completely, it had a lot of piston changes. So I couldn't just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not change it. And I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. and then I was like, <clears throat> think about what you're playing. Mm -hmm. And of course it didn't mess up and it was beautiful and it was fine, okay. but. Oh, good. That's something you just you just got to go with it. That's actually something I usually ask the person who's hiring me. Yes. Is, you know, are yes. there any, mm -hmm. is there anything tricky about this mm -hmm. instrument? Mm -hmm. And that could be anything from like, well, the pistons don't always work. Right. Don't be surprised if the pedal oh, doesn't right. come on when you hit the piston. Because, you know, I've had people tell me that, like, you know, our pistons, you have to be really That's secure when you push them, push do. them really mm -hmm. hard yeah. or, or whatever. Or, oh, yeah, it's really tricky to set the pistons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, here's the way that you do it because it's different. So anything else? 
that you'd say to a starting out person who's subbing? Yes, loads of things. One would be just smile and be nice, particularly to like the choir and the clergy, because those are the people that you actually see when you're subbing. Yeah. And they're the ones that are going to tell the organist, oh my goodness, that person is so rude, you know, or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, be yeah. nice to the people you see, you know, you don't have to like have a 27 hour long conversation, but. I would also add though, that um, the person who's hiring you should also be nice to you. Because I've had people treat me as if they were doing me a favor. And I'm like, mm, no, yes. you gave me three days notice and I yes. happen to be able to play. I'm doing you a favor. Preach it. Preach <laughs> it. Yes. Let's see what else. Beware of silence, but don't be terrified of silence. That's why I like to have everything in order, you know, because like a moment of silence doesn't necessarily mean that you forgot to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, but if there if there is a long moment of silence, you know, be ready and be thinking but, you know, it could just be that they like to have, you know, a long mm -hmm. moment of, of silence after the after the sermon. It's okay to take a second mm -hmm. to get on the bench. Mm -hmm. And it probably feels like longer to you because you know you're the next thing. I've actually had clergy say, oh, we like more silence here. You need to wait until yes. this point to start yes. your, the next hymn or whatever. Yes, yeah. yes. Which is great. As a sub, you don't have as good a feel for how long they do like to take. Mm -hmm. And, it, yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes they do want more. Sticky notes are my best friend. That's my next tip. Yeah. I've like color coded my sticky notes. So I have, I use yellow for swell because, you know, like, yay, so happy, smiley faces. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and great. then green for the great because it starts with G, you know, green, great. Um, and then blue for choir because choir robes are blue. And then pink <laughs> That's for great. the petals. That's great. And so I like when I'm subbing somewhere, which is all I do, whenever I'm playing anywhere. Yeah. I mark obsessively what manual I'm going to be on and like color coding oh, it that's so really, smart. really helps because it's a... Uh... Yeah, because you're playing on all these different instruments. It's really hard to keep track. Exactly. That's brilliant. Thank you. I think so too. Um, <laughs> one thing I did this summer when um, Hannah and I, my friend that plays art, she and I, were we played several churches back to back. And one of the pieces that we did, it really needed three manuals and I had to like make it work with yeah, two. Yeah. And so we were like, we were practicing at two different places. And I was like, how am I going to like mark up my music mm -hmm. to remember? So what yeah. I did was I put it, the music in a plastic sleeve yeah. and put the sticky notes on top of the plastic sleeve for the one church and then just took it out, put it in the other plastic sleeve for the other church. Oh, that is so, so that, clever. You know, it was marked. Yeah. I was. What a <laughs> clever was, lady, a, oh. man. A rare moment of genius, but I was like, yes. Oh, man. Oh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save that in the back of my mind. What I ended up doing at Christmas, because I played, I think, five different services in oh, three days yeah. over, like, Christmas Eve. It was a lot. And it was a lot of the same music. But, right. like, you know, at this church, we're doing two stanzas. And mm -hmm. in this church, we're doing all five stanzas mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I I took a lot of time and I made a binder for every single service. Yes. It was just so much. And that way, you know, I had all the copies. And, I, and you know, different hymnals with yes. different words. Yes. I was the yes. cantor for some of these yes. services, so I also needed to sing and but yeah mm -hmm. so that but that's a lot of work to make all those fresh copies I think it's worth it in that in that instance because oh, for me it absolutely yeah, was that's actually on my list of like things I should say to you know if I'm playing several places have a notebook for each one because if you're yeah. having to like shuffle through and remember it's it, you're just for me at least that's I am a lot. I'm distracted yeah. and I'm yeah. confused and I'm stressed and I'm worried and I'm like, if I have it all in a notebook I know it's all mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. Then I can, like I was saying earlier, focus on, okay, what's actually happening in the service, you know, and paying attention to, oh, hey, the congregation is really into this. I should, you know, maybe play a little bit louder, I, you know, as opposed to, wait, what hymns next? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, notebooks. Yeah. Preach it. Yeah. Preach yeah. it. Preach mm -hmm. the gospel of notebooks. Amen.
<laughs> so anything else that you want to add? If the organist is the choir director, have somebody maybe in the choir that's your like designated nodder, you know, to sort of be like, look at so-and-so if you're not sure if you're supposed to play, you know. That's always super yeah. nice to oh, have yeah. somebody who's like yeah. your contact person who's not, you know, the organist who's gone. Oh, you know something we have not talked about? Communion. That is different everywhere Mm -hmm. you go. And it's sometimes different every time you go to the same place because they might do it by intention or they might do it by walking out in the congregation or they might do it by the congregation Mm. coming to the front. Yeah. Or they might. Communion can throw you off. Ask lots and lots and Mm -hmm. lots of questions. And then the morning of, talk to whoever the minister is and say, let me just make sure Mm -hmm. I've got this down. Yeah. And even just like, when to stop playing at communion? I always ask, what am I going to see when I need to be stopping playing? What do yes. I see? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when they start putting covers mm-hmm. on something or when they, you know. Yeah. And then even when you start, sometimes that's a place where there's extra words that they don't. That aren't in the order of worship. You know, they're so used to it that they don't think about. Yep. Correct. Yep. You know, so it's a, okay, so you're going to say something else? Now, what are you going to say? And it really varies by denomination and even by the pastor. Who's yes. Leading. Yeah, you're right. That is the number one place to ask questions. That and the doxology, but especially, especially. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That was a super weird thing that happened one time. I, I was, I was playing for like a rehearsal on Wednesday night and they, I think it was Ash Wednesday. So they had this little Ash Wednesday service and typically I don't go take communion when I'm mm-hmm. subbing just because I'm mean, like I'm just going to stay in one place on the organ you know they're like well you can go and I'm like no yeah. I'm just going to yeah. stay in one place and I, I'm just personally more comfortable yeah. with that yeah, and you know whatever so this particular place it was Ash Wednesday they had communion so they got done with all of it I think it was Ash Wednesday anyways and then like they had I had stopped playing they were completely done and they were like oh we forgot the pianist so it was like this very awkward like come over to, to the organ oh. Yeah. I was playing piano at the time. Yeah. Here. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's so, so mm-hmm. awkward. Yeah, I feel like that's actually an awkward part on the part of like deacons and everything because it's the assumption that you are going to commune. And not everyone wants to do that. Um, not every not every right. organist is even right. Christian, much less of that denomination. And, you know, you never, right. you never know right. where they are. And so I've actually in the past sometimes said to the deacons, I'm not going to take communion today, just so that they knew, mm. so they so that they weren't like, here, yeah, have a, a cup idea. of Welch's, you know, in like a really gracious way. You'd be like, what's really in here? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and do you stop between the bread and the juice, you know? Because sometimes they'll stop and say oh, more things. You some know? churches okay. do do that. You're mm-hmm. right. You're right. Yeah, some churches serve them separately. And churches that don't do it frequently don't always remember their practices very well. Like if they do it every single week, they know the habit. But if it's like, you know, every other month Mm -hmm. or something, Mm -hmm. and it might be a different set of deacons or a different pastor. And then sometimes they're like, oh, we don't normally do it by intention, but today we're going to. So, uh, you know, and then, yeah. yeah. Or my favorite where it's just like, well, we just started having people come up to the front, but a lot of people don't want to come to the front. So we also take it to them and... (laughs) It's just going to take a while. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, here's another awkward thing. Children's moments. Oh, fun. Frequently churches want you to play a little something for the children to come down, but that's oh, never no. written in the bulletin. Never. No. And they frequently no. forget to tell you because they're so used to it. I usually phrase the question as like, is there anything else that you do musically that you haven't told me about? That's a good question. To kind question. of cue them to think, oh, is there anything else? Is this place where I always noodle something? Mm -hmm. but I haven't said so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. That's it for this week's episode of Music and the Church. Get in touch by emailing us at musicandthechurch at gmail.com or leaving a voicemail at 513-580-4282. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter at musicandthechurch.com slash sign up. We'll be back next week.